What's up guys? Hope your day is going well. I wanted to hop on quick today and talk about the recent bank failures that have happened. As of this recording, which is early April 2023, there had been two banks that failed. I think it was early or mid-March of 2023. Your bank and Silicon Valley Bank. And so I wanted to talk about, you know, a common question that's coming up in, in my practice working with families one-on-one -on -one is like, what do I need to do about this? Like, I think a lot of people are worried that this is going to become a bigger issue. And it's for good reason. I think in, you know, 2008, we had the big downturn and a lot of that started with some of these financial services companies failing. And so I wanted to talk about some ideas to keep in your back pocket for things to think about. What's interesting about these bank failures, there haven't been many lately. There are always banks failing. I was looking at the FDIC site here today. And so Silicon Valley and Signature Bank were both in March, but the one, the last one before that was in October of 2020. And it was like a, it looked like a small bank. I've never heard of it. Almina State Bank. And there haven't been very many. There's been like one or two, I guess in 2020, there's four and then there was four in 2019. So there ha there haven't been very many, but there's been like a slow trickle of them, you know, over the past few years. Of course, in 2008 and nine, there was a there's a larger number of them. And after that, there was multiple. But in the past few years, there's been relatively few. But the banks that failed in March were pretty decent sized banks, and it got a lot of news. And so a lot of people have some fear around that. So first thing to think about, and really, you should be thinking about this before, should have been thinking about this before this occurred, but keeping below 250000 in any given account is an important thing to be reminded of as this occurs. Now, in these two banks' situations, the FDIC protects up to two fifty per account, generally speaking, as long as the bank subscribes to that program, which most do. But in, in these two banks' instances, the government stepped in and did some sort of like variation of a bailout and has helped to back up some of these account holders that had more than this amount. And so that, but that's just, you know, not at all guaranteed. And it's kind of a special circumstance. Also, there is an instance where the bank, when things settle out, they could have enough assets during the bankruptcy to still make good on accounts above that 250 level. So that, you know, it's not a guarantee that if a bank fails, you're going to lose anything above 250, but it's still worthwhile. I think I would not want to hold more than 250 in an account. It's just not worth the added risk of losing the money. And so I would set that as your limit in any given account. And really, even while we're talking about that, I think all of you guys shouldn't have above 250. It depends on your circumstances, of course, but it's a good thing to, you know, reiterate, like ideally you have a financial plan that helps you decide on the ideal amount of cash not you know ideally we don't have too much or too little and so this becomes this is really an important time to like make sure you're having the right amount of cash not too little not too much and that should ideally tie into your circumstances or your financial plan another thing while we're talking about cash like interest rates have gone up and yield or the interest that cash accounts pay has become a much more important thing so, for example, a typical like brick and mortar bank that we see clients have cash at is paying, you know, 1% or less versus like competitive high yield accounts are paying closer to like 4% on average. So a 3% spread is a huge spread, especially if you have, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, you know, that's like 3000 per hundred thousand per year. So if it's $200,000 bounce, that's 6,000 of interest differential per year. 
So it's worthwhile to check the interest that you're getting on your account, especially the bigger the balance, to make sure it's a competitive rate. And if it's not, I would be looking at alternatives and thinking pretty hard about, do you want to switch to I, you know, more of a high yield account? Like I said, as of this recording, the competitive rates are more like 4% or higher, but it's a changing thing. Like just six months ago, the numbers were a lot lower. And then a year ago, it was like 1%. I mean, it's just changed pretty fast. So now is the time to be making sure you're getting a good yield on your cash. Going back to the bank failures, it's important to make sure you're not over-concentrated in bank stocks or financial services companies. I would say that no matter what situation or what past events had happened, but this is just a reminder of that. Uh, if you are using a passive approach, you shouldn't be over-concentrated by definition because a passive approach is just like not trying to pick certain things and owning the entire market. So if you own like stocks like Vanguard stocks, you tip or sorry, Vanguard funds, you're typically not going to be over-concentrated because because Vanguard funds will typically be passively invested. Um, I guess there are some exceptions where Vanguard has concentration, but it's important to look at like what your actual investments are and make sure they're not over-concentrated in one particular area like financial services or bank stocks, because you just don't know. And if bank stocks do start tanking, financial services do start tanking, you're going to get a, you're going to feel it much, much harder and have that, you know, because of that over concentration. I think the biggest thing though, is like having a good solid financial plan, as I've already stated about the cash, but just in general, a good financial plan so that you already have thought out these worst case, best case scenarios. And you know, you're going to, that's part of what a good plan does is it helps you to focus on what's most important to you and aligns your actions with that as opposed to these external factors. Of course, you want to take into consideration the risks of ups and downs and work that in an equation. And really, you should have already, you know, considered this worst case, best case scenario so that your plan of, you know, down markets is already incorporated. And, you know, if it's a good plan, you're going to, you know, have be able to confidently stay the course, even if this does turn into a big blow up like 2008 and, you know, not have to make some last minute or knee jerk reaction change because of these external factors. So I think those are some big things to think about. I'm going to link, I'll throw out some links to, to some deeper dives on this that might help. And so I'll link to some, some of the podcasts I've recorded on my, on the Finance for Physicians podcasts. I think some of these have also been posted on financial residency that, that dig in a little deeper. So the first one I'll link to is investing behaviors that will wreck your financial plan. And this is where I go into some of the behavioral finance and the biases, like all these behaviors, we have all these behaviors that affect our investing and it's worthwhile to have understanding of those. That's the key there is like having understanding that they're coming into play and not just have ignorance. Also linked to how markets down, how market downturns look and feel. And that's where I talk through some historical perspective on how like big downturns have looked and how they played out and that sort of thing. And then I'll link to what to do when your investments start tanking. And this, I go through, you know, exactly what the title says, like, you know, how it might play out and some things to think about in a little bit more depth than what I've done today. And then the last one I think might be helpful is investing during wild markets. And this is where I talk with David Blanchett, who's a, he's a big research guy at Morningstar. And we talk about some of the most common different investing strategies and, you know, how they might play out in, especially in like wild markets. So I hope this has been helpful and we'll look forward to chatting next time. 
Please know that anything I've said today in this podcast should not be considered advice. It is completely for educational and entertainment purposes only. It would be best to view me as just another guy talking about money on the internet. For advice, please consult your advisors. If you don't happen to have a financial advisor already, I happen to know a firm that's absolutely fantastic. It's actually the firm I started and currently run now, Ren Financial Planning. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at www.renfinancial.com.